I wouldn't trade places with Joel Osteen this morning. <laughs> Have you not been blessed? Amen. This is just wonderful. Amen. Praise the Lord. They give me just a few moments, and I mean a few moments, and Brother Aaron wrote it down. I read it. Give a short thought. That's it. A short thought. I want you to turn, if you would, to the book of Genesis. It's just one verse this morning. Genesis chapter 26. And we'll variate from Matthew because I only have a few moments this morning. And uh, listen, don't leave. The, it's just going to get better and better. As soon as the preaching's over, it gets back again. Amen. And uh, then outside, dinner on the grounds, and there's a quartet, a group out there. You're going to love singing, and it's going to be great. It's, don't leave. Genesis chapter 26, verse 18. Would you stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inerrant, inspired, all-sufficient word of God? Genesis 26, verse 18. And Isaac digged again the wells of water, which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. Father, thank you this morning how we've been blessed. I ask you, Lord, to continue to let your Holy Spirit guide every person in this place today. That you would be honored and glorified. We lift you up. We must decrease. You must increase. And we praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The wells that Abraham dug. Someone has said that Isaac is an ordinary son born to an extraordinary father, but he's also an ordinary father that has an extraordinary son. Abraham is the father, and then Isaac's in the middle, and, and then Jacob comes following him. God uses ordinary people. The Bible says that Abraham had dug these wells, and if you dug wells and you had wells, we're talking about the Middle East now. There's nobody putting a drill bit down there. You're talking about literally digging a hole and getting down in the pit there and then getting down to where the water was. You can't get water unless you get down in the hole. But a well was a sign of prosperity. If you had a well then, a water well, that was like having an oil well today. I mean, the water was so precious uh, the time and expense and the effort they understood wasn't just for them, but it was for their children and for their children's children. Proverbs 13 verse 22 says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children. And I think the same thing can apply to a church also. A good church would leave an inheritance to our children. Listen to me this morning, adults. You don't just need a good church. Your children need a good church. And your children's children are going to need a good church. And your children's children's children are going to need a good church. What we do here, all this effort is not just for us. It's for the future who come through this way. I find it interesting that the Bible says in the days of Abraham, his father, the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. They didn't stop them up while Abraham was alive, but when the old white-haired man died, suddenly they came through and put, them, put dirt in there and stopped them up, clogged them up there. And I believe the reason is because they knew the old man would give them a fight. Hmm? I just wondered this morning, 
who the devil's waiting on for a man of God to die or a pawpaw to die or a granny to die, somebody important to die so the devil could come in and uh, some elder to die and dirty up the water, dirty up the worship, dirty up the, the doctrine. He's not going to do it while you're alive, Paul. Paul. But he knows when you die, if they're not careful, the devil will be able to come in and dig up the wells that you've dug. And I'm telling you this morning, we need to dig anew some wells. We need to uncover some wells. We've got to be determined that our children are going to drink from the same well we drank from. And we've got to be determined our grandchildren to be able to drink from the same well that we drank from. Not some compromised, watered-down power. Not some dirty, mixed-up thing with the world. If, if you're 60 years old or older, would you just stand up right where you are? Just 60 years old or older. If you're 60 years old or older, would you look? Give this, give this group a hand. Amen? Amen? There's... There's Peggy. I didn't know she was 60. She must be using that oil of delay. Amen. Amen. Listen. Those of us who are older, as your pastor, I'm challenging you. Let's keep the wells clean. Let's don't compromise the word of God. Let's don't water down what God said. Let's keep the whales clean. I don't know what the next generation's gonna do with the whales, but let's pray that they'll continually keep them clean too. That they'll not compromise the word of God. We don't, I, listen, we don't need another church service around here. What we need is a drink of heaven's river flowing through this place. To get a hold of us, the Bible says, after Joshua died, there arose a generation that knew not the Lord nor his mighty acts. Boy, we need to go back where we see God moving in a glorious and mighty way. We got so many wells that need to be undug, cleaned out, and just, mm, I think about the well of modesty. Used to be you had to go to Walmart to see this freak show, but you can see it anywhere in town now. There's, it's like modesty doesn't exist. It's, I think about the, the wells of morality. Boy, everywhere you go, immorality abounds. People have got a filthy mouth. They don't care what they're saying. Uh, you know, man, we need to dig, redig that well of morality. Then there's a, the, the well of holy matrimony. We got folks who are living like they're married, but they're not married. It's called sin. We need to redig that well of holy matrimony till death do us part. Unclog that well, the well of sacrifice. Boy, nobody wants to sacrifice anymore, but the well of sacrifice. I heard that story about that old boy, the two boys, uh, they'd been raised together and they were just good and they were older in their age. And, and uh, old John looked over at Jim and he said, Jim, if you had a million dollars, would you give me half of it? And old Jim said, you know good and well, John, if I had a million dollars, I'd give you half of it. He said, well, let me ask you something. If you had 100 cows, would you give me 50 of them? He said, John, you know good and well I'd give you 50 cows if I had 100. He said, well, John, would you give me a pig? He said, now, Jim, you know good and well I've got two pigs. See, we're willing to sacrifice the stuff we don't have. 
But I'm asking you today, how about sacrificing what you do have? How about in this children's building that's coming up here? How about some of us, and, and I say us real loosely, I'll have to borrow whatever, but I don't mind borrowing. been borrowing all my life. Now, I know some of y'all think that's just terrible, but that's how we learned how poor people lived a long time ago. Thank God for Sheridan Roebuck. Amen? But I'm just saying, we're willing to sacrifice for another car or for another motorhome or for another house somewhere, and we've got a building over here that's going to be the future of these children and children's children coming up, and we're not willing to sacrifice to make sure it's paid for? Mm. Some of us need to redig that well of sacrifice. Maybe restoration, repentance, revival, deliverance. A well of deliverance. Do you know Jesus still delivers? You hear this morning, you've got a drug problem, you've got an alcohol problem, you've got a, yeah, well, I don't care what problem it is. I want to tell you, there's deliverance in Jesus Christ. Don't you leave here thinking, well, there's not, that's not happening anymore. No, we need to be the church where that is happening. We don't have to settle for that. I, want us, I just got five things here I want us to, to, to think about redigging that will I believe change our church. Number one is this, and just quickly, we need to dig anew the well of prayer. We need to get back to praying. I'm talking about old-fashioned. I'm not talking about Lord bless us. I'm talking about getting down on our face before God and praying. Most churches still call it prayer meeting on Wednesday night. There's more prayer done at the urinal in the bathroom than in most churches on Wednesday night. We need to get back where we're praying uh, and become a church. The prayer is a place where not only our provisions are provided, but the power of God is provided. And then secondly, we need to dig anew the well of Bible study. You need to get in a Bible study group, a, a godly Bible study group. You say, well, I'm, I'm watching that on TV. Uh, I'd be scared of that. I really would. You, you, listen, the most convenient time to have Bible study is the hour preceding worship. And we're supposed to be children of God, and you're telling us that we can't devote one hour a week to come in to study the Word of God? Now, let me just tell you, if you're in a Bible study group and they're not opening the Word of God, they're teaching something, you're saying, well, that ain't for me, then you come see me. We got a Bible study group somewhere that'll teach the Word of God. All of them are teaching the Word of God, but I know we got different classes that have different ideas and all, and that's all wonderful. But I'm telling you, you need to be in Bible study. In the Bible, we'll find bread for our hungry souls. We almost have a fight every Sunday because Charlie comes home and we fixed lunch and he don't want to eat. I mean, he just, you beat him half death. He still ain't going to eat. And it finally dawned on us that over in our wonderful nursery, he's getting pumped up with goldfish. Amen? And cookies and crackers. You want to know why more folk are not hungry for the Word of God? Because you're filled up with the world's junk. See, when you get full of junk, you're not hungry anymore. And we need to get back to the place where the word of God fills our hunger. And we hungry for the word of God. The Bible is a tonic for our sick hearts. 
It's like Hadakal, brother. I mean, it's good. It's the tonic. Some of y'all don't even know what Hadakal is. Some of you old folk know what it is. Out in Ville Platte, Louisiana, everybody went down there. It was more liquor than anything else, but it cured everything. Amen? <laughs> well, the Bible's a tonic for our sick hearts. In the Bible, we find peace for our troubled spirits. In the Bible, we meet Jesus face to face. We need to get back to prayer. We need to get back to Bible study. We need to dig anew the well of faithful church attendance. You say, well, I'm here today. Well, that's wonderful. Deer season coming up. You going to be here that Sunday? <laughs> now, preacher, I'm just telling you, we're in a generation that if it's convenient to come, you come. If it's not, now I'm not talking about everybody. I'm just telling you, the overall in our country that we live in today, if somebody pops in at 930 and you get a better offer, you'll go with them instead of coming to the house of God. And we need to dig that well anew of faithful church attendance. I was thinking this morning, it's great to have my brothers and all of them here with us today. We don't get to worship very much because they're involved in their home churches and you won't let me off but two weeks a year and I don't want to <laughs> mess it up going to them. So, you know, <laughs> we don't get to see each other very often. But I want to tell you, Everyone in our family started with Leon, the oldest one, got saved and baptized. Then it was me saved and baptized. It was Lonnie saved and baptized. Let me tell you something. I don't ever remember a day, never in my life do I ever remember a day with us getting up saying, are we going to church today? I never remember a day doing that. I remember Daddy sitting in the living room listening to the Nacogdoches gospel station, reading his Bible and Sunday school lesson. Every Sunday morning, I remember company coming in. We had a bunch of outlaws in our family. They'd come in, show up about 9 o'clock. But my mama didn't stay home with them. She said, you can come go with us or you can just stay here and make yourself at home. We counted the silver before we left. You can stay here and make yourself at home and then we'll be back after church and we'll cook and we'll, we'll fellowship. We need a, a, a dig in the new well of faithful church, your strength is going to be found in folks around you. They're going to encourage you here in this place. Then we need to dig anew the well of moral righteousness. Guys, there's some things that are right and we need to go back and say what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong. And it really doesn't matter whose cousin it is or whose mama-in-law it is or anything else. If it's wrong, it's still wrong. If it's right, it's still right. Proverbs 14, 34 says, Righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. We need to dig anew the well of service, getting busy for the Lord. Now, that's where the wells turn into rivers. Isaiah said that God's man would be like rivers of water in a dry place. There was a, a time, and I, I, you know, when our son was uh, oldest son, getting ready to go, he'd finish college. And I'll be honest with you, I don't want to be ugly, but I think they gathered up every pervert they could find and put them on a helicopter and dropped them in the middle of the fine arts division at Lamar University in Beaumont. I mean, it's just, you know, I, I just be honest, we'll leave it at that. But he wanted to go and to uh, extra school to become a counselor. And uh, one of his counselors, one of his teachers there at Lamar, 
said, well, I've given some money to uh, a place up in Dallas. You ought to check it out. And uh, it was Dallas Theological Seminary. Now, I told my wife, don't get too excited. We can't look like we're excited in front of him because that will choose. I mean, he'll change everything. If he thinks we liked it, he would, uh-uh, nope, not going there. So we, and it's, so he ends up going there, and then he calls me probably, the I don't know, maybe the first day or first week, and he said, Dad, does the name Howard Hendricks mean anything to you? I said, oh, my soul. Dr. Howard Hendricks, man. He said, well, I'm, my room is, was his first room here at Dallas Theological Seminary. Of course, he was teaching at seminary. He's going on to be with the Lord today. And, and I looked up some of his, his bio, uh, biographical stuff. You see, the thing is, God uses ordinary men to do extraordinary things. Howard Hendricks was uh, uh, over from in Philadelphia, and he, and he had a friend, Howie, that came from a broken home, raised by his grandmother, and he would wander around with Howard from tavern to tavern looking for his alcoholic grandfather. And a, na- a man named Walt, never finished junior high school, taught a Sunday school class, and he came upon Howie and, and, uh, and others there. And uh, he, they, he said, i got a Sunday school class I'd like for you boys to come to. Well, you know what thrill. That, you know, that, we ain't going to Sunday school. Good grief. So old Walt played marbles with them, and Walt was a good marble player, and he beat the daylights out of all those boys. And he, and he said, I'll show you how to play marbles like that if you'll come to Sunday school with me. And there were 13 boys that left the streets of Philadelphia and came to Sunday school with old Walt. Out of those 13, nine of them came from broken homes and didn't know who their parents were. Five, uh, uh, the others were all Roman Catholic. But out of those 13 that went to that Sunday school class, Dr. Hendricks was one of them, Howie. Eleven of them went into full-time vocational ministry. You know why? Because there was one old boy named Walt. He wasn't educated. He wasn't anything exciting. He just had a heart to reach kids and to reach people. Taught them how to play marbles. Led them to the Lord. Now, that's how Dr. Howard Hendricks got started. I'm just telling you this morning, I don't know what kind of well you need to redig. I know we've got all the kids in here. It's family day and all. And this might be a good time for you to bring your family down here, Daddy. And maybe you need to bring them down here and say, Son, daughter, boy, we've let some of the things of this world come in and clog up our well. And I want you to know we're digging it out this morning. We're going to dig out around that well. And we're going to feast on the living water the water from the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe this morning you're here and you need a church home. You say, well, this is a a homecoming day, big day. This will be a wonderful day for you to get hooked up. I mean, if you want to serve the Lord, I want to tell you, there are more places to serve the Lord here than Carter's got peanuts. There's everything. I mean, you can name it. We'll plug you in somewhere. Maybe this morning, though, you'd be honest and say, preacher, I've never even been to the well. I have no idea how to lay my head down on the 
pillow at night and go to sleep in peace because my, my, my insides are just eating one another and I don't know what to do and I'm being knocked down and I tell you I've tried what this world has to offer and everything they say to go try this I go try it it don't work I try that it don't work I'm telling you this morning you don't need to try Jesus you just need to accept Jesus he ain't here for a trial run when you accept him he's going to turn your life upside down He's going to give you an attitude you had never had before. Some of you mean as snakes. I'm telling you, you come to Jesus, he'll change all of that. He'll do that for you. In these last few moments here, we're fixing to pray, and Brother Aaron's going to lead us in an invitation. Our staff will be here. And I'm going to ask you, I, I pray these altars would be full. Maybe it's some grandparents. Maybe you've got a son or a daughter that the well has kind of been dug in on and and it's kind of it's clogged up, and you just need to pray, oh, God, would you open the well up for my grandkids and my great-grandkids? And you just come. Father, we're thankful today for the joy to be in your house. We're thankful how we've been, Lord, reminded in these old songs that you are King of kings and Lord of lords. And, Lord, there are trials that we've got to go through, and you said there would be tribulation trial, but you also told us to be of good cheer because you've overcome the world. There'll be a day when all wickedness will be wiped away and things will be made right. So God, I'm asking you this morning for those that need to be saved, Lord, right now, would you save their soul? Lord, would you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, draw them to this altar for families that need to pray, for singles that need to pray, for senior adults that need to pray. Lord, for those that need a church home, whatever needs to happen in lives today, may right now your spirit control every thought that's in this auditorium. Don't let the devil have any room anywhere in this building this morning, but let your Holy Spirit guide us and have your way in our life right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me? You begin to come right now as Brother Aaron leads us. Come on. When peace come pray at this altar. Come make your decision public. Come on.
This is going to happen. 